Hey y'all, welcome to the Awkward Mom Stage Podcast, a podcast where Lola, that's me, a millennial mom talks to friends about life, motherhood, and everything in between. Every Wednesday I bring you topics that we all struggle with, whether we're a parent or not. Every stage of motherhood is awkward, whether you have one kid or six, you're a dog mom, or you feel like your partner's mom, things can get messy. I'm for sure an awkward mom, navigating all the growing pains that come along with millennial mom life. Feel stuck in an identity crisis? Feel like your life lacks direction? Goals feel distant? Well, you're not alone. Tune in every Wednesday as I go through the crazy coaster called life with you. This podcast celebrates motherhood in all forms for exactly what it is, awkward. I'm your host, Lola Nicole. Grab yourself a glass of water or wine, whichever suits your day, and get ready because the Awkward Mom stage starts now. Hey guys, and welcome back to the podcast. On today's episode, we sit down and talk to Jane Bond, a serial entrepreneur and a successful real estate agent. Armed with a background in international travel, entertainment management, interior design, life coaching, and real estate, she has all the tips and tricks and all the inside scoop on what it's like to be a luxury real estate agent and what it takes to get started. She also has some words for us millennials, especially us millennials of color, on what we should be doing to take hold of our futures right now. Please join us as we interview Jane Bond. Enjoy. Okay, does it say it's recording at the top? Lola's recording the top. Cool. Hello. Hi. 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 I wasn't sure how to get on here for a minute, (laughs) but I found my way. Just just trying to figure out some uh, recording snafus ourselves with the Skype. It happens. Trust (laughs) me, technology is not everybody's friend. Oh, no. We've had times where we record a great episode and then have lost it. So we know. All gone. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to do an interview with us. I know your schedule is crazy it seems i'm not gonna say i know we've been recorded but i was asleep until 11 o'clock <laughs> hey y'all hope you're enjoying the show did you know that you can rate and review us on apple podcasts it would mean so much to us if you left us our rating or review on apple podcasts so that we are a suggested podcast and more people can find us we're also now on Pandora Podcasts, so you can pretty much listen to us anywhere that you get your favorite podcasts. You can also screenshot and share the show on your Instagram, and we will share them and shout you out on our next episode. Thank you so much for all of your support and everyone who listened. Now back to the show. So we normally do like an introduction for all of our guests, but we always like to have them introduce themselves and kind of let everyone know who they are, uh, what they do, and how you got started. Okay. Hi, everyone. My name is Jane Bond. I'm a real estate agent, broker, and now I'm broker owner and CEO of the Bond Agency. I've been in business for about, oh my God, all my life. (laughs) I never really worked for anyone. Um, I've always had my own company. The only job I've ever had was as a flight attendant. And I only did that for four years until I realized that wasn't something I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And I had to figure out how to 
get my behind from behind the cart and into the first class seat sitting there being served as opposed to serving. Okay. And that's what I uh, set out to do. And I left my job as a flight attendant and decided to go into interior design. Knew nothing about interior design, but before I left my job, I started chartering flights with football players. And that was something we had an option to do at the time. And met a football player and he gave me an opportunity to design design his house out, which at that time I knew nothing about interior design, but I knew quality as opposed to quantity from traveling all around the world. I gathered that experience and um, knowledge. From there, I went into entertainment management and it was from one of my clients, one of my football clients' wives, who asked me to help her, you know, sort her business out somewhat. And I said, I have no idea. Any, I don't know anything about uh, entertainment management. And she kindly looked at me and she said, Jane, you know, it's all the same shit. It's just business, sweetheart. And I was like, oh, okay, that's a light bulb moment. And um, I went from there from being an entertainment manager to going into real estate. And when I went into real estate, just for a stint in New York, the market crashed after a while. Oh, man. But that was quite some time after. I was an entertainment manager for a good 13 years before that happened. But that's what made me leave New York. And when I left New York, I actually got married and came to Florida. And Florida, I had no idea what I was going to do here because this was a different type of place, which is Naples. I came from a big city, knew nothing about golfing, boating, yachting, owning my own jet and the rest of those things that were not (laughs) to, you know, growing up in the hood (laughs) because I grew up in Philadelphia, you know, in the hood. And however, I always dreamed about the life I wanted. And that's what kept me moving and motivated and keeping my foot on the gas. Fast forward, I'm here in Naples, Florida. I learned the real estate industry and market quickly and quickly climb. And it was because of my business acumen and also just really understanding what it meant to deal with people um, after being a flight attendant and traveling around the world and experiencing different cultural exchanges. So that's what lay privy to me climbing so quickly in the real estate industry here in Florida. And I'm proud of that. So that's my story, guys. <laughs> that's awesome. So I'd see it, it says life coaching too. So you kind of dabbled in life coaching as well? Well, I'm, I'm like an overachiever. If I want to do something, I'm going to do it. I went into life coaching because I felt like I was mentoring a lot of people throughout my okay. entire life. And when life coaching, the word, you know, in the industry kind of, got on his horse and started galloping really fast and appeared in front of all of us all of a sudden because life coaching has been around for years. It was something I thought I felt like I knew I had to do. And I'm the type of person that if I don't have credentials, I'm not going to tell that I do something. Right. It's like my interior design. When I was in interior design, I don't even know if I told you guys that. Yeah, <laughs> I was in interior design. When I left the airlines, I went into interior design. And that's where I started chartering the flights for football players because I needed to find someone with disposable income that could afford the work that I wanted to do. And right. that's uh, how I actually started into interior design. And the football player's wife said to me, could you help me out with my business? Because she was a singer. She was the backing vocalist for the Winans, actually. And, oh, uh, wow. Yeah, my life is a little 
interesting, they tell me. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so while I was an interior designer for many years, that's what took me to New York. I, I designed homes for football players, basketball players, lawyers, doctors, you name it, I did it. And once I was kind of finished with that, so to speak, I went into entertainment management. And that's where I went into management with the young lady that was my client's wife. And she said to me, it's just business, change." So being an interior designer was really interesting for me going back to doing real estate. That's what helped me also move quickly into the luxury level. So, you know, like I said, I'm the type of person that when I decide to do something, I put my foot on the gas and I never look back. And you know, to digress there just a little bit, the reason I said that is because when I was an interior designer. I didn't have any credentials, as I told you guys at the beginning. I just said I wanted to be an interior designer and a football player gave me the opportunity to do it. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah. And that was Jackie Walker. He played with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which oh, wow. exposed me to Vinny Testaverde. And I hope I'm not dating myself too much. I'm a little older than most of you guys. Um, <laughs> He was the Heisman winner trophy at the time. And then I just happened to move next door to Vaughn uh, Hebron, who was with the Broncos. And I met Broderick Thompson. Unfortunately, he's passed away. He was killed in a motorcycle accident in L.A. And he introduced me to one of my biggest clients, which was Harry Swain, who is my friend to this day, who played for the San Diego Chargers. That's who Broderick played for. Roderick introduced me to Harry Swain, and Harry Swain became one of my biggest cheerleaders and client. I think I designed maybe five or six homes for him, including his mother's home. Wow, that's awesome. He carried my name with him throughout the industry, and I never advertised once. So I did homes for him, some for the Eagles, San Diego Chargers, Broncos, Ravens. And that's how I got my name. And I never advertised once in the interior design industry. However, once I finished up with my last job, which was a job for Harry Swain, I received a 10-page in the cover of Home and Design magazine. Oh, wow. I love that magazine. Yeah. So, And that was really amazing for me. And then I started getting calls to speak at schools like Parsons and FIT. And I felt really... A little insecure about it, even though I knew what I was doing, even though I had this huge article written about me, even though I understood my business, I did not have any credentials. And I thought, wow, I'm going to be sitting up there with this panel. Now I'm asked, you know, I get a seat at the table and I'm nervous as hell. Right. <laughs> you get that imposter syndrome. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, these guys are really going to be up there touting who they are, where they came from, their degrees, and blah, blah, blah. And here it is. I was a flight attendant, and I became an interior designer because I wanted to. So um, with that being But it seems like you have seen a lot of success in your life because you don't say no to any opportunity, which is really right. awesome and really brave. Yeah. I'm always open. I'm always open. And I will remain open probably to the day it's over. Because if you're not open, how will you know? That is very true because it does say serial entrepreneur. So you have clearly tried anything you want to do. It seems like you're like, oh, I'm definitely going to do it. I'm going to try it. I don't care. And where I was going with that, with that is after all of that success in making plenty of money in interior design and I got to get to the table to speak, I was like, you know what? I don't feel like I have arrived as of yet. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back and get my degree in interior design. And I worked all day, <laughs> I mean, all night, and I went to school all day. And I got my interior design degree from Parsons. That's after awesome, grade. though. 
And that was maybe 10 years after graduating from, you know, uh, my four-year college, my four-year university, which was Pace. So, you know, it's just interesting how the mind works. You just feel like, you know, you're in, even though you feel like you're on top of the world and everyone's telling you you're great, that insecurity does creep up in you and you decide, well, you know, maybe I need to do this. And I just felt like I hadn't arrived. And that's why I went back and got my degree even after that, joined ASID, which was the Association of Interior Designers. And then I felt like, no one will be able to question me. And the thing always comes into play in your head. You know, you're a woman, you're black, you're a double minority. What are they going to think? You don't have this, you don't have that. And I thought no one's going to ever tell me no. And no one's ever going to say she doesn't have this. Right. Yeah. And I did it. So, so with real estate, <laughs> since you have worked with like really amazing people in interior design and what's, how is it different from like high end real estate? How does that differ from, I guess you would say your everyday, you know, home, single family home. Price point. <laughs> More so price point. And, and okay. also, you know, the, the materials that they use. Okay. And the quality of the builder, the quality of the architect, the quality of the furnishings, the quality of the materials that are inside the house, of course, you know, as far as the flooring, the, the appliances. You know, it's no longer white, black, or stainless steel, as one of my realtors would say. Right. Gaggenal, Viking, you know, what do you have in your house? And, you know, if you walk in a $300,000 house, as opposed to a $3 million house, you have to be able to recognize what's in there. Right. You know, even uh, definitely if you're going for a presentation to be able to market that home for that seller and get it off the ground and sell it. So, you know, there's a lot of differentiation with selling property, selling luxury property and selling property that's not considered in the luxury market. It just depends on your market also, because a lot of people say to me, uh, Jane, what if I don't have homes in my market that are that expensive? And I say, you know, well, then sell the filet mignon in your market. Right. Don't worry about it. If it's <laughs> there, you can't sell it. But if it's if a home is 900000 and it's considered a luxury home in your market, then so be it. Okay. It's like Atlanta. Atlanta has homes that are two and three million dollars or even a million dollars. And I'm like, wow, I need to buy me a house in Atlanta just to have one. <laughs> <laughs> because here in Naples, you will never get anywhere near that. I mean, I saw a house online today and I was like, that's a beautiful home. And I scrolled down and it was like $1.7 million. And I went, my God. Yeah, they're getting the home, they're getting the land. And I said to myself, you know, it's just different here. It's just, you know, it's a different ball game in Naples. You know, Naples has the beach. Naples has multi-million dollar homes, you know, anywhere from 10 to 70 to 80 million. And they Yeah, Naples is beautiful, actually. So I can definitely see that. You know, they sell here and they sell quickly. I mean, sometimes they stay on the market and it depends if they need work or something. But people do buy them and we turn them over here. And I'm I'm just lucky and grateful and blessed that I was, you know, put here in this market because I could be in any market. Yeah, that's amazing. Have you done any like regular real estate or is it has it always been high end real estate for you? No, I came from selling like $90,000, $135,000 condominiums, which I mean, in my life and, and from my journey, that's expensive. I mean, I don't take that away from anybody. Uh, I grew up in 
with, you know, different friends and girlfriends. And we dreamt about all kinds of things and what we wanted. We dreamt about the type of husband we would have, the type of home we wanted. We talked about having chefs. and <laughs> That sounds like me and Chrissy, well, like, all the time. Like, this is what we're going to have. <laughs> well, this is what we do as kids. So, you know, when I think about a $32,000 home, that, you know, a woman and her husband is raising their family in, I don't, you know, put that aside and say anything negative about it because that's who we were. That's my identity coming up. I mean, you know, I lived there, I grew up there, but I didn't dream there. But if I had to go back there, it would not be a problem for me because I know what that is. And it was nothing but love there. So, you know, with that being said, I didn't start selling homes like that. I started selling, well, I didn't start selling $32,000 homes, but I sold $90,000 condos and $130,000 condos and and worked my way up from there. And this is when the market crashed in 2010. And we were deep in the crash at that point. And people were hurt and upset that they were losing their homes, you know, but when you look back at this and you think, well, listen, um, you can't give someone a loan to buy a home for a half a million dollars when they're only making $50,000 a year. It's just the numbers just don't work. Right. So, you know, interest only loans just don't work when people are making X amount of dollars. So, you know, that was a problem from the start. And when the market crashed, so many people got extremely wealthy and left and we were left with a mess on our hands. Okay. You know, and back then I would walk into homes and everything was ripped out of them. People were writing on the walls. They were taking all the copper. They were taking all their appliances out. I mean, it was so sad. I mean, beautiful homes too. And I remember trying to encourage young people to buy these homes. And they were like, no, they were afraid of the market. And they, you know, they thought I was trying to hustle them to get a sale because, you know, everything was in shambles. Right. But I was trying to push them to let them know if you buy this now, it'll be triple or quadruple its price when we come back. And they just didn't get it. Right. You know, um, to answer your question, no, I did not start out selling those type of homes. It took me a good eight, nine years to get here. Okay. And when I say that's quick, That's pretty quick in our industry. Even if you're lucky, it's about being consistent and luck is not consistent. So, you know, with that being said, I worked really hard and I still work hard. Right. Um, But now I work hard for agents. Okay. For them to win. I want them to climb. And I want minority agents to climb more so than anything because they don't have the opportunity. And I know I don't see any of them at my level. I think I'm starting to see some, but it's still not many of us. And with the event we did just this past weekend, it just validated that. It's fear. I don't know. Um, well, I, I, I'm, let me not say I don't know. I do know that it's fear and I do know it's part of inclusion, not being included and not having a seat at the table. Right. You get a seat at the table. It's like I was. You're not sure of yourself. You're insecure. So my goal is to carve out that support system so everybody can get a seat at the table. If I can build an army of agents like myself, I would be really happy. So my company is not about me. It's about my realtors that I want to grow. Have you seen the show Selling Sunset on Netflix? I've seen all of those shows. You yeah. know, um, they're all 
they all have changed the game in real estate. It's, is it like that? Somewhat, but they have kind of created this, I don't want to say illusion, but they created this thing that makes real estate agents believe that they have to put themselves out there a certain way. And I think it's fair to the agents because not all of them can afford to do that, especially when they're getting started. You know, it's one thing to, to stand in front of somebody's Ferrari and say, you know, this is me. It's another thing to stand in front of a jet or pull up your car on a private airport and use your friend's car and say, this is what I'm selling to my clients or you ho- you're spending all this money to hop on a ho- helicopter and looking at your watch, talking about you're about to go meet your client when you don't even have a client nowhere near that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's not fair to the agents that are trying to come up because the pressure is really on. Right. And I think what should be being done is sharing with them the work that has to be done to get there. Because once you're there, then you can shine. And you, they have to understand, you know, and I, I, I can hear the excitement in your voice when you say, oh, have you have seen Selling Sunset? Well, you know, when I was maybe three, four years ago, I was looking at million dollar listing this, million dollar listing that. And, I, and everybody was like, is that real? And I'm like, well, in my career, yes, it is real to a certain extent. I said, but you have to understand these people have exposure. Right. They're on television. Right. <laughs> so I said, can you imagine if they put me on television? I said, my whole career would be crazy. That's true. You have these guys, which none of them look like us. I mean, the, the first time they're doing it now is Love and Listings. Okay. You know, and a few of those people are my friends. So I right. really know about that. You know, <laughs> my colleague, uh, Eric Miles, Beyond, or- Beyond Ordinary. That's Miles Beyond Ordinary. That's my body. And Ajani. So, you know, it's still hard, but I can see Eric starting to climb and he's getting the exposure. But he also has an unbelievable background. He's a, an attorney out of Chicago, smart cookie, yeah. and marketing. So it's something a little bit different, you know, and not all of us have that when we, you know, go out here to work. So it's, it's just a little different. And like I said, the pressure is on because everyone wants to be these people when if you, and I don't know if you guys know, there's only... 250 top realtors in the country. Oh, I didn't know that. And we probably have a million realtors. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Throughout, throughout this country. And the thing about that is 250 top realtors are making all the money. And I can name, you know, at least 10, 12 of them off the top of my head. Okay. But I get, I bet you ask another agent who's just, you know, in the business because, you know, they want to make money. They don't even know who the players are. And I tell my agents all the time, how can you play the game if you don't know who the players are? Right. You know, but I bet you know who Gucci, Louis, you know, Chanel and everybody's cousin is. As far right. as <laughs> you got to know your business. Yeah. Good. And with because you see selling Sunset on TV and you're like, oh, wow, is this I'm like, oh, man, is this what real estate is? Like, do I need to get my real estate license? This looks so fun and glamorous. <laughs> That's what everyone's doing. I mean, and before selling Sunset, you had million dollar listing Miami, million dollar listing New York, million dollar million dollar listing LA. I mean, well, and what they don't show you on million dollar listing is like Josh Flag and those guys. Those guys are trust fund babies. They they yeah. already had money, so it's just like you grow up and they say, "Hey, little boy with money, you have to do something with yourself because you can't just be rich. Like you have to figure out a way to sustain a lifestyle." They right. start buying houses and flipping them. But like nobody tells you that you only see them wearing like 
custom suits and driving Lamborghinis, but nobody tells me right. these kids grew up so rich. They're they're LA kids. They've been rich their whole lives. Like right. that's why it's like you don't really see a lot of m- minorities because it's like we don't have that kind of generational wealth to be able to right come you know, up like really that. Obtain that and just you know go buy a couple million dollar properties and flip them. Like that's not really the reality for so many young minority people. Well, you know, you and you hit on something very important there too. I mean, you're talking about Josh Flagg. You're not talking about all of them because not all of them grew up that way. There's a few of them that did struggle that, you know, but that's something different. Even with that being said, you know, they're not minorities either. Like, right. Oh, of course, of course. Minorities than it is for, you know, others. And, and we get that, but that's not, that shouldn't be a crutch for us. We still have to make it and push because statistically we have made it and we will always make it. Now, the few that get there, our job is to open the door for the rest of us, you know, and we can't always be woe is me because we didn't grow up this way. Well, yeah, a lot of them didn't grow up that way either. However, they have access for other reasons. We don't have access. And that's, right. that's the stumbling block for us. We don't get the seat at the table because we're, you know, not of them. Right. And I get that. But sometimes you have to get out your own way because you can't always put that in your head because that'll stop you from doing a lot of things. Because if you look around, we are getting in, whether it's inclusion or not, we're breaking down the door. You might as well. Yeah. There's a movement going on. And for those who think, oh, well, we can't do this. We can't do that. No, no, there's no more. We can't, we have to do it. Right. For you. A matter of needing to at this point. And, And for, I don't have any kids, but for my nephews, for my nieces, for all of them, you know, and I only wish I had 20, you know, years earlier right. <laughs> to play with these guys because this movement is amazing from the young people, you know. Yeah, it's very I, true. Yeah. And, and you know, the millennial, you know, the oldest millennial next year will be 39 years old. You guys yeah. are not playing. And, and I have to take my hat off to you. But you had, you know, it's no different. You guys had access. We didn't have access to you know, the highway of information like you guys. Right. Oh, yeah. The Internet has made us an unstoppable demographic of people. A force to be reckoned with, guys. And if I had the opportunity, me, myself, because I know who I am now, I know what I do, what I love to do, and nothing stops me. I would be a complete force to be reckoned with because I would everything and run. So you guys have so much access. It's not funny. But you got to get out of your own way and you got to get out of your head about certain things. Yes, there are stumbling blocks. There are uh, blockades. But you guys are knocking them down left and right. If it wasn't for you guys, a lot of things wouldn't be happening. And I have to really implore you to please get out of your head. Get out your own way. Because if I can come to a town like Naples, Florida, irrespective of me being a female being black with big hair and six feet tall, I cannot hide. Oh, you're a yes. tall girl? Are you I, in the tall girl group? Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. We're here for it. So here for it. We're both tall. And I feel oh, you because I'm I'm very tall with big big huge hair, big tall girl, big huge red hair. Like I yeah, I get that. <laughs> I mean, why weren't you guys at my event? I put it out there for everybody to come. I know we're we're trying to pull ourselves up one step at a time. We're getting there. We have plans for what we want to do, and we definitely want to do more like networking and like really get ourselves out there. Because like you said, there's 
so much opportunity for us to be able to really level ourselves up in this day and age as millennials. Let me, yeah, it's so true. And people were saying, oh, those millennials, they're this, they're that. But some <laughs> millennials, you guys are hitting it. You guys are hitting the road. You're not playing. You're you're out there. You're on TV. And when I say TV, you're journalists, you're news, you're, you're, you're lawyers, you're doctors, and you're coming in strong. And I'm just saying to myself, you know, and it's funny because I remember my mom used to tell me all the time, I wanted to be a female doctor, Jane. But there was nobody out there that looked like me. It was very few and far in between. And you know, I was 82. And she always told me, don't let anybody stop you from anything you want to do in life. And get out of your own way. And that's yeah. true. You know, the world is already complicated. Right. You know, we can't make ourselves be immersed. We can't immerse ourselves in that complication. We have to figure it out and, you know, clear the weeds and just keep moving. Because you guys have it all. You have everything. And you just have to embrace that and keep moving with it. You wouldn't be able to do this right now, this podcast with someone like me, if it wasn't for, you know, the internet. Right. That is very That's true. That's really true. I learned all my podcast and information on the internet. Yeah. Well, and not only that, it just gives you the opportunity to, con- to connect with people from yeah. all over the place, of all oh, walks of life, of all levels of experience. Girl. And it's really great. And yeah. stop just here connect all over the world. That's where it grows. Yeah. Well, you got to grow outward. The growth is so important. You, you, if you connect internationally, you'll see how small the world really is. Yeah, yeah. that's very true. You know, and I'll tell you, when I was a flight attendant, um, most of the flight attendants I would meet, and most of them African-American girls. I mean, you know, I'll never forget when I first became a flight attendant, I was like, oh my God, this is what this is about. I'm flying around the world. <laughs> and all the girls, all the black girls, you know, and including me, I, I was the same way. Oh, I'm going to L.A., I'm going to Chicago, I'm going to here. And I had to stop and think one day, well, you know, why am I not going to Paris? Right. Rome. Tel- Greece, you know, Israel. anywhere. What am I doing just going to places I'm going to be able to go to no matter what? Right. And timing is everything because if you don't think Timing is so important. Sometimes my, I used to say my timing was so off. Right now, it's the time. Right now would be the time. Right. That's very true. 30, you won't be able to have the same excuses that you have now. Because once you're 30, you're a man. I said a female at 30, she can still make some excuses, but not you, especially you as a black man. And I said, today, I'm telling you guys, now is the time. You're female. Kamala Harris is in office. Yes. She will be. Yes. Very good. Very good. Run. Take the opportunity. Whatever you think you want to do, do. Nobody can stop you. Watch television. Be very cognizant of what you're seeing. We're everywhere. The big box people want us in everything. Watch TV. Every ad, every anything you see, it's mixed race. Us, we're everywhere now. It's so true. That is very true. So it's timing. And if you don't catch it, in a few years it'll be gone. And we don't know if it's going to come back. Right. What I am seeing is the growth of my folks. And we're growing quickly. 
Yeah, I'm really proud of I'm really proud of the community. We've been doing a lot and that that's really great. It's amazing and we must continue to do it because guess what? We don't know how long it's going to be. And and then no. it's happening, you got to keep it you got to keep it throwing like these because right. not somebody might shut that door. It was all a dream. <laughs> you know? But like also how bad would you feel if you just didn't achieve anything because you just allowed yourself to subscribe to a limiting belief? Right. You know, it would just feel so bad and like just so much time wasted. Yeah. I don't know what that would be like. I, I, I can't even tell you. It would have never been me. You know, I'm just so growth oriented. I mean, my husband says to me, I always say to my husband, I'm going to buy a dog. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to buy a Vespa and I'm going to tie my hair like the French women do and ride around in my Vespa with my little <laughs> Oh, yes. I love yeah. that vision. <laughs> and he says to me, uh, no, you He's like, no, you work too much. You can't do that. (laughs) Figure out another business to do, Jane, and you're going to keep moving until you're 80. And I said, well, I hope 80 never comes. I hope it doesn't come that soon. I said, I got so much work to do. I have, it's like John Lewis, you know, God bless his, you know, God rest his soul. Get in some good trouble and keep going. I love that. Get in some good trouble. That's a good, Yeah. that's That's a really good good saying. And it's not mine. I don't own it. That was John Lewis, you know. He said, get in some good trouble. And after I saw that documentary they did on him once he passed, my heart went out. I went, these people before me, they gave everything. That's why voting is so important. That's why I think the millennials really got out there and vote because they understood. We don't have any more John Lewis's. Right. You know, and I, I remember thinking, I wish I was here when Martin was around. We don't have these people anymore. These people bled for us to be where we are, so we have to make them proud and keep moving. And my job is to grab that baton. I don't know who it came from, you know, definitely my parents, but before them. And we have to run with it and we have to keep moving fast as possible because these people laid down their lives for us. Yeah. I really understand that, you know. Very true. And that's my part. That's the part I need to do. It's not about me. It's about all of you and all the realtors that want to be me. And that's what's important to me in my life right now. That's my rest of my lifetime goal. And that's about it. You know, that, that's what I see in the future. Seeing people that look like me sell properties that I sell and are happy and creating generational wealth for their families and, under, you know, getting a real understanding of financial literacy because a lot of us didn't have that at home. You know, I was a little luckier. You know, my my dad only went to third grade, but he created business. And that's where the entrepreneur came from. And, and he retired my mom and she started in her business. You know, but I saw the growth as I was a kid. I saw us have better furniture, better clothes, you know, better cars. Having the opportunity to go to school, it was an option. It wasn't mandatory. So to me, it can't get any better than that. So that's when I say, you know, get in some good trouble and get out your own way. Get out of your head. Because we'll be the first ones to blame someone else of a lost opportunity. That is very true. Can't blame anybody but yourself if you didn't yeah. try. And try always and will always be the failure. You said it with your interior design, since you do the interior designing with the real estate, have you seen that that's helped you in your sales rather than having someone else come in and stage? Like, do you feel like you're closer to your clients because you do the staging? Um, I personally don't do real, don't do interior design or staging for my clients, but I do consult them with them. Okay. 
client that's building a home, the first thing I say to him is you need to stage this home. We're in a different market and in a different climate in this industry. People, especially people of a certain wealth, do not want to be bothered with ordering furniture or waiting eight weeks or, you know, they don't want to go in a house and have to visualize. They want to see the house already set and then they can visualize and see themselves in it. And most of the time they buy the home with the furnishings. Oh, okay. It's extremely important today to stage an empty house or virtually stage it so someone like yourself or you know anyone can come in and say, oh, okay, now I understand this home. I understand the space, the distribution of the space. Now I recognize what I can do in this home. Even right. if they don't buy the furniture, they, can, they normalize the feeling of being in the space because distribution of space can be tricky, you know, depending on how it's laid out by the architect or how it's built by the builder. You right. Know, a lot of people, a lot of women say, oh, this must have been built by a man because they don't <laughs> think of the things that we need as women. We need large closets, you know, as opposed to our husbands. Like what I do see is the beautiful big homes. They always give a lot of closet space to the woman. And yes. then you can walk in and you go, oh, well, this is the man's closet, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and then you go in the laundry room. They have beautiful rooms that are laundry rooms. They have couch, you know, love seats in them with televisions, ironing boards. I mean, they have really laid them out because if you're going to be in there, oh, yeah. you want to relax. Right. Absolutely. You want your spaces oh, to be luxe. Yeah. And if you're wealthy enough, you're not in there ironing anyway. You're domestic. Oh, no. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, no, that won't be me. <laughs> so, you know, it, it just really depends on who you are, uh, where your finances are, and how you're going to design out a house. And even a half a million dollar house or a $400,000 house that's going to be you know, built from the ground. During inception, you can go in there and you can look around and you can decide and talk to the builder and he will upgrade, you know, certain packages for you. And you can kind of help him design it out, the end, the end product out for you. So that's important when it comes to, you know, space too. And a, and a lot of people don't think about that because they just think, oh, well, they're going to build these new homes and I'm going to be fine. Well, why don't you go in there and talk to the builder? You know, you might want to upgrade. You right. might to have something change, you know, out. You know, and then you you always have your punch list at the end. But I don't design anymore. Okay. I work with amazing interior designers when it does come time for that. I have a few of them that I recommend. And staging companies, I just pick the best stagers that are in my market to stage at the price point they can afford. I've been seeing this thing that influencers are doing a lot when they purchase homes. They they're getting like these these big homes and they're decorating them and they're beautiful. But we've been seeing a lot of just all white palettes. Is that like a selling point for like resale? Well, when you talk about all white palettes, are you talking about the furnishings or are you talking about the woodwork, you know, the millwork, the cabinetry, the appliances and things like that? Or are you just talking about in general when you walk in, everything's bright white? I feel like it's it's pretty much everything, right, Chrissy? Like the walls, right, yeah, the paint, everything. It's been, it's everything. been a trend that we yeah. see now where it's like the outside is white, then it's just kind of like huge windows and then white furnishings, white cabinetry, yeah. white everything. It's just, I don't know if that's the trend right now or what, it's but it's just been, trend. we've seen it a lot. Yeah, it's like sheep. Um, you know, you have to have your own individuality. Everybody wants all white cabinets in the kitchen, stainless steel and, Right. <laughs> white, 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 white. And, you know, I think if depending on where you are, 
if I was up north and it starts freezing, you know, the weather changes, I wouldn't want white, 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 white. Right. Right. It's not warm. With a taupe and dark gray and cream, as opposed to white, white, where I live, is very coastal. I can see white, white with blues and, um, you know, deeper uh, emerald colors. And uh, Yeah, that's a beach life. Yeah, I think in Naples, I think of like blue ocean colors. You know, because I'm not a pastel person. I like jewel tones. So it just really depends. And then some people do heavy tradition where they have, you know, mahogany floors and oak cabinets. And, you know, it depends on where you come from. When I first yeah. Naples, I wanted a two-story house. Now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, God, I'm glad I don't have a two-story house. <laughs> you know, when I... All those steps. Yeah. yeah. Lived alone. I had a four-story um, condo. Oh, goodness. Tell you, when I would run up and down them steps, because I left my keys upstairs, so I didn't take a book down I wanted. I was like, ooh. The exercise. Yeah. yeah. And then not, not even counting the deck. <laughs> that was five stories. So, you know, depending on where you come from, I come from Philadelphia, so it's a little bit different. But the energy with that was just incredible. So, you know, it it really depends on where you are. And I I definitely think it's a trend. It's like at one time it was cinnamon cabinets or mahogany cabinets or, you know, oak cabinets and stainless steel. And before that it was black and then it was white refrigeration, (laughs) you know, so it's forever changing, you know, it's like fashion It's forever evolving. And it yeah, yeah. is a trend and your houses are white, you know, you think about it, if you know, when winter comes, that's terrible looking. I mean, right. you might want to do gray or a creamy color or something. I mean, you know, it just depends. Everybody can't follow suit because they think that's what it's all about because it's not all about that. So. Yeah, I'm definitely more of like a dark toned person. I like more of like richer colors. I like blacks, grays, stuff like that. So like seeing all the white, I'm like, oh man, when I buy a house, like, do I need to have it all white? What's happening right now? Well, you need to have it the way you want and what makes you feel good when you walk into it as opposed to what everybody thinks it should be like, you know? Yes, the whites and the gray tones, you know, it doesn't have to be white, white. It could be a nice soft gray, you know, it could be its taupe and gray blend. You know, you don't have to have all your cabinets white. You could do gray and then pop some color in there you know, depending on how it's broken up. And then the whole thing, with quartz is everywhere. Everybody wants quartz, white quartz. Everybody <laughs> yes. wants porcelain floors, which I think porcelain floors are absolutely beautiful because they're the most durable floors you can find. I mean, but break it up. Do some wood in a couple rooms and some porcelain in the other rooms. Don't do porcelain throughout your whole 3,000 square foot house. Right. <laughs> you live up north, when you touch the floors, when it's like, 20 to below zero out there. Oh, freezing. Gonna- oh, yeah, so cold. That's why we do wood floors. You know, and I think, personally, I'm down here in 90-degree weather. I mean, we don't go below 75 most of the time. I like a wood floor every now and then. Yeah, wood is nice I love wood floors. To touch, and even though we're hot, you don't always want to be on a tile floor. And right. I mean, that wears hoodies constantly. I'm never barefoot. So there you have it. But it just depends on what you like. I wouldn't follow suit with anybody. I would do me. So like switching cords a little bit, are you still actively life coaching? I think I life coach every day. (laughs) I feel like we got a little bit of life coaching just now, a couple minutes ago. So I do. Sometimes I do like really professional life coaching. I'll do uh, processes with people, have them, you know, go into their heads a little bit and meditate. But I think 
life coaching is mentoring and it, it's mentoring in any field that you're in. Because if you're taking someone into your hands or under your wing, you're life coaching them no matter what. Right. Yeah. A title life coaching and depending on how you want to steer your client, because you're, you do consulting. I consult with agents all the time. I end up life coaching them, (laughs) you know, I might give them a process or I might not. And, you know, life coaching is about processes, but I don't think you always have to go there. It's more about being able to tap into someone's inner spirit and talk to them about what they want to do in life and, and support them with that. And to me, that comes along with consulting, coaching, mentoring, you know, the difference between mentoring and coaching is, well, coach in my business, coach, you get paid for mentoring. You don't. And mentoring is when you take someone under your wing and you look after them the whole entire time. But right now people are paying you for mentorship because nobody has time. We're all busy, you know? And I mean, I mentor a couple people because I just adore the hell out of them. And I see what, where they're going in their lives. And I'm happy to do it. You know, I feel like it's my duty as a female to help them and share with them when they're doing something wrong. But, you know, as young people, and I've been guilty of it myself, we want to experience things. We don't want anybody to tell us what to do or we don't want anybody to share with us what happened with them. But when you get my age and you look back and, you know, in retrospect, you go, damn, if I would have just listened to that. Like my mom used to say to me all the time, if I knew what I knew now, or if I would have just listened to her or thought about what he said more. You know, it's like with my husband. He says my husband's one of the greatest salesmen I think probably ever lived on his planet. I mean, he <laughs> he knows everything. Scares me sometimes. <laughs> He's trying to tell me or and he doesn't know how to say it. He's always trying to help me, but to me it sounds like he's telling me what to do. Right. And I'm like, well, wait a second. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's you all the way. Yeah, like, wait a second. And and I said to him, and I said, please stop trying to teach me. I'm a grown woman and blah, blah, blah. But then I always tell people what he tells me. (laughs) So he's really, you know, and I I should say to him, you know, you've taught me so much. And yeah, but we don't know how to do that because we don't want to be taught. We want to and and that's being hard headed <laughs> from one of those old time words, hard headed. And my mom used to oh, say yeah. off the ass. So it is what it is. So with life coaching, is it like is it kind of like therapy or is it like different? Like is it the same kind um, of aspect? It could be therapeutic to a lot of people. Life coaching is very interesting and uh when I went to my course and I did take a whole year course in it. Uh, with Christy Whitman, who's, you know, QSCA school, which is one of the pretty credible schools out there for life coaching. It is, it can be about therapy. It is about processes that you take them through and, you know, homework that you give them to make them more positive and proactive about their life and making decisions. A lot of people that have life coaches, it's kind of different for them. It's kind of difficult for them to be decision makers or make decisions so you're there to support them and help them and walk them through it. And sometimes the processes help, depending on the ones that you give them. And sometimes, you know, they don't help some people. So, you know, it just really depends. Yeah, it is like therapy, but we are not therapists and we're not, you know, doctors. So we have to be careful of the information that we give them. 
Okay. And I've thought about life coaching and I'm like, what? Because we do, we are advocates for therapy. We definitely both have been in therapy. I love therapy. It's great. Right. And we were like, okay, so do we, should we get a therapist and a life coach? Like, how does that work? Do we have, do we need both? Well, therapists are medical people and they have different ways of, you know, helping you. But the first thing they teach us in life coaching is that we are not therapists. We're not licensed therapists and we can't give out certain advice. Right. But life coaching is really, it can be really exciting for you. And it's a very interesting field to go in. And I, I really enjoyed it. But once I got my credentials, you know, my life coaching license, I was happy with doing it my way and not spending time trying to create a life coaching business. It was just another piece underneath my belt to complete, I guess, to complete me. Okay who I am, but it can be lucrative. I could say that. I know people that I, you know, graduated with from Christy Whitman's course that are doing extremely well. And I, I think my life coaching comes into play with everything I do. You do have a process. You can start coaching immediately. Okay. What you learn. I was coaching immediately. I was like, wow, this is different. Okay. And once I learned everything I could learn from there, I just kind of took it and ran with it and went in my own direction. But yes, you can really do well with life coaching. It is lucrative and people do, you know, buy into it. I think people really want to do anything that's helpful. But like yeah. for me, I really respect the fact that you take people under your wing and mentor them. And like you take pride in seeing people grow. That's right. something that I feel like that's one of my main motivators for getting successful is being able to share methods of that with other people. So I think that's really important because I think that it falls by the wayside how important mentorship really is sometimes, especially when you're like a young entrepreneur and somebody that's trying to, you know, get a little further and gain some insight. It's nice to have some people that will take you under their wing and show you things because they do believe in you. So that's a really important thing. Absolutely. you know, that people can do when they're on a level that you're not on. So that's really awesome. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I feel like especially as black girls, sometimes it's not, you know, taught or encouraged to like do therapy and life coaching and stuff like that To So to have those opportunities and to have those people that you can have a mentorship with or a life coach or something. I think it's really great, especially now in the day and age that we are in where we do have an, op uh, an opportunity to, you know, kind of rise above and, and get that generational wealth and get our lives together the way we really want to. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would definitely recommend Christy Whitman at USCA. Her coaching course is pretty good. Okay. That's awesome. And it takes a full year. Oh, a okay. full year for the, the coaching program? coaching program and okay it's, it's really good and it's very enlightening and you get with other life coaches and you get in a group with them you share your information and you kind of walk through the whole course with this particular group that you connect with so it's really interesting I enjoyed it very much so and I'm really good friends with one of my coaches that I met within the group and we talk all the time and actually he has come here and stayed with me and my husband awesome yeah oh, that's awesome Hey y'all, it's Lola here, host and producer of the Awkward Mom Stays podcast. And let me tell you, hosting and producing this podcast is not easy. I had no idea what I was doing, and I still kind of don't. Don't tell anyone, but I don't. Buzzsprout has definitely been there to help me along the way. 
from hosting to helpful videos on what to do, how to edit, where to go, how to get music, you name it. They let me know how to do it. And their Facebook community is even more helpful. So let me tell you now, if you are a podcaster or you're trying to start a podcast or you have a podcast and you're looking for a host, definitely check out Buzzsprout. They've got everything you need to get started, even a domain name if you don't already have one. Trust me, I'm no tech genius and Buzzsprout has definitely been my saving grace. So if you're interested, you can definitely click the link in the show notes and it will take you to Buzzsprout and they will walk you through everything you need on getting your podcast up, running and ready to go. Now back to the show. Well, towards the end of the show, we always do an interview wrap up where we just ask, what is next for you? Do you have any projects that you're working on? Anything in the works? And promote yourself, tell everyone where they can find you and acquire your services, if you will. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Like I said, I just opened up my own brokerage and we are recruiting agents. I'm looking for some really good agents that want to work, do some hard work. We opened up in Miami and Naples um, last month. So I'm excited by it. Um, I just wrote and finished my book and it's published. It's called How to Land Your First Million Dollar Listing. Awesome. So that I'm really proud Congratulations. of. Congratulations. Thank you. That's really amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. It tells my story from start to finish. And it's also inspirational for realtors. And it shares with them how to land their first million dollar listing. That's part of my legacy. So I'm really excited about that. They tell me I'm going to be in the Library of Congress in Washington. So that makes me happy. That is awesome. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think that's it. And everybody can find me on Instagram, of course. I'm at Jane. My handle is at Jane Bond underscore underscore underscore. We just launched Luxury Live, which is a part of my brand this week in Miami. And we took 100 agents, I believe, almost. No, we we invited 100. I think we only had maybe 65 show up, but we were really pleased with that. It was a two-day event. We showed them what luxury really looks like at the Turnberry Ocean Club. They got to see two beautiful, beautiful properties there. One designed by Interior Design, Interiors by Stephen G., and one of the penthouses, which was absolutely beautiful. The amenities, everything is just gorgeous. And the Turnberry Ocean Club is in Sunny Isles, starting, I think, at 4.7 million you can get in there. Oh, wow. Yes. And our second day was amazing because then we took them all and invited them all to Interiors by Stephen G. Showroom, which is a 100,000 square foot showroom in Pompano. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, we both love real estate so much and like really gorgeous properties. So I'm just really sad that we missed it because that sounds really, really That sounds amazing. (laughs) Absolutely. And we're going to do Luxury Live 2021. So the best is yet to come. Yeah, we'll look out for that one. So that's it. That's where you can find me. You can also find me on Facebook. My name is Jane Bond TBG. And please purchase my book and read it. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you, Jane, so much for being on the pod. We really appreciate it. Um, we, you have so much insight and great things to say. So we really appreciate it. And everybody loves to hear a good story from a person that's a real hustler. So, so we always wrap up with a Poddex question. Okay. So if you had to leave your house all day, every day, where would you go and what would you do? All day and every day. I'd probably go hang out with my mom. <laughs> Aww. Aww, that's cute. 
That's sweet. Yeah, I probably go hang out with my mom. That's really awesome. And then mine is what makes you smile? What's something that you're really loving right now that makes you happy? The work. Putting in the work for the agents to come after I me. feel like you're like the second person that has said that. Like they like love work so much. That's their choice of happiness. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Putting in the work. Yeah. I can't imagine doing anything else. What else is there to do? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean especially now. The passion, yeah. Just go for it. COVID. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us and our listeners and kind of give us all some insight on luxury real estate and even life coaching. I I think we got a little bit of life coaching on the podcast. I'm feeling a little bit better, a lot more motivated. So I'm ready to go. (laughs) Talk at you guys too much. (laughs) Hey, no, that we sometimes need it. Honestly, we need it. Millennials, we need that because we do get in our own way sometimes. So you have a great day. Thank you so much again for everything. And we will put everything in the show notes for how to find her, you guys. And it's been another episode of Bestie Chat. Everybody have a great day. Yeah, that book, guys. Thanks for joining me this week on the Awkward Mom Stage podcast. Make sure to visit our Instagram page where you can follow and find information on next week's show and any updates for the podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast shows. While you're at it, if you're enjoying the show, I'd appreciate it so much if you rate the show on iTunes or share this podcast with a friend. Be sure to tune in next Wednesday for an all new episode. I hope you're having an awesome week. Happy hump day. And always remember you're beautiful. Lola.